Man, it's good to be good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'll I'll be honest. I am uh, just a wee bit sore this morning. Yeah, we uh, we had some flood damage, water damage with the big snow. It snowed and then it melted like in 24 hours, and we ended up with water in our bedroom and sheetrock and flooring and. Uh, and so yesterday, uh, much thanks to dear friends, came by, and we did all the flooring yesterday. And I thought it was going to take four or five hours. Yeah, it took more like ten. <clears throat> and I, you know, I'm probably not going to be any squatting and stuff today, just telling you. But one of the things I found interesting as we're doing it, especially as I was starting to get more tired, because we were putting the flooring into the bedroom, I had the saw outside, um, so we weren't getting sawdust everywhere, and so, you know, we're measuring, okay, you know, this one needs to be 30 and a half, and it needs to connect on the right, you know, because if you got that snap flooring, you got to make the cut on the right side, I made enough on the wrong side, um, so it's, it's 30 and a half, connects on the right, so I'm walking through the house, 30 and a half, connects on the right, 30 and a half, connects on the right, I'm walking out, Mel- Melanie and her friend are watching a movie, 30 and a half, connects on the right, and I'm like, what? Because that's the way my mind works. If I don't say it, and I don't keep putting it into my mind, when I get out to the saw, I'm going to be... What was that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> connects on the right, connects on the left. Which one was it? Oh, man, i got to go back in. Because this is not a steel trap up here, I'm just telling you. So I had to keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it so that simply going from the bedroom to the saw, I would get it right. I'd remember, because we always want to measure once and cut three times. No, wait, measure twice. <laughs> measure twice and cut once. If I have that much trouble walking from the bedroom to the saw, remembering where I'm supposed to cut... How much more challenge is it for this mind to stay focused on Jesus in the midst of the battle, in the midst of life, in the midst of all that's going on? Just reminds me that we got to renew our minds regularly, moment by moment, so that I can remember the battle belongs to him. We're midway through our refresh series, Refresh Body, Mind, Soul. Douglas unpacked uh, rest and Sabbath last week. Uh, matter of fact, since it's Sabbath, I almost didn't show up today. I thought, hey, I'm just following what the preacher said last week. Uh, but I figured my boss might not like that a whole lot. So we're here and excited uh, to share with you from Romans chapter 12. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2. So for those of you, uh, just get, bring you up to speed on the New Testament here. So we have the first five books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So the Gospels, and then Acts. And these five are really narrative. Uh, I mean, there's teaching in it. Jesus does a lot of teaching in the Gospels. But these five books, the first five of the books of the New Testament, are narrative, telling us kind of a play-by-play of what's going on. Once we jump into Romans, it's the first of Paul's letters that appears in the flow of the New Testament, even though it's the sixth letter, most likely, that he wrote. Uh, so he's writing to the church at Rome, a church that he hasn't been to. Most of the other letters that he writes, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and so on, he 
planted those churches. He'd been to those churches. He'd served with those people. Romans, he'd never been to Rome. He was telling them he wants to come to Rome, but he hadn't been there yet. Then in the book of Romans, you got the first 11 churches, the first 11 chapters. First 11 chapters are pretty much doctrine. Here's what we believe and why we believe it. Talking about God and his character and about salvation and grace and and, uh, that builds all that for 11 chapters. And then when we get to chapter 12, there's a transition that happens. And this transition is moving us from the doctrine to the practical application. Because we must, we must translate our learning into living. Amen? He didn't give us this book so we could just fill our heads with it. He gave us this book so we could live it out each day as we go through life. So if you'd stand with me, we'll read just these first two verses here, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your word that doesn't just tell us about you, but it shows us how we should live. And Lord, I pray this morning as we spend a few minutes looking at these verses, as we think about renewing our mind, about transformed lives, Lord, that our minds would be open to what you want us to learn, that your spirit would have free reign in this place, and that we would leave this place transformed because we've spent time renewing our mind this morning. Bring glory to yourself this morning, Lord. May it be about you, in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. So we're just going to spend some time delving uh, into these two verses, looking at what Paul's doing. We're going to unpack it a little bit. And he starts here in uh, verse 1, and he says, uh, therefore, and whenever you see a therefore, you need to pause and wonder what it's there for, right? Right? All right, so the therefore is referring us to the previous 11 chapters and all that he's unpacked. We're going to look at that a little more closely here in just a minute. But because of everything I've just written in the previous 11 chapters, let's start putting this into practice. Because of all that I've already unpacked for you, all that I've revealed to you about God and his character and his love and his salvation... Let me move from teaching you, and I urge you. I urge you, he says. I I just love that word. It's got this idea of motion, of intensity, of emotion. I don't just want you to know this stuff. Hey, guys, you know, hey, I laid flooring yesterday. Isn't that great? You know, uh, Puxatani Phil saw his shadow. I think that means six more weeks of winter. Oh, I urge you, I care about you, and I want you to understand this, and I want you to put it into practice and and put it into motion. This is how important it is. I'm going to implore you with emotion. I want to call you to make a choice and a decision. Not just a knowledge, but an action. What's he urging? Well, I urge you in view of God's mercies. 
That's referring back to that therefore. What's happened in those previous 11 chapters in view of God's mercies. Think of all the mercies that God, uh, that Paul had unpacked in the previous 11 chapters. Matter of fact, we're going to put it up here so you can see it. He talked about justification from the guilt and penalty of sin. He's talked about God's mercy through adoption in Jesus and identification with Christ. Being placed under grace, not law. Praise the Lord for that one. Giving the Holy Spirit to live within. That's what a a wonderful mercy. A promise to help in all affliction like we've just been singing about. Assurance of a standing in God's election. Confidence of God's coming glory. Confidence that there's no separation from the love of God. Confidence in God's continued faithfulness. He's been building all these principles for 11 chapters. Look at all those mercies. And as you think about it, building and building and building, he finishes Romans 11 by saying, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's God's mercies. In view of that, in view of that doxology there, what should our natural response be? That's what he's challenging the people. Because of all I've shown you about God and his character, I'm urging you to respond to God. Not because you have to. We're not under law but because he loves and he's extended grace and care. So what is he urging us to do in response to God's mercies? To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. After all that we've seen that God's done for us, what's our natural response? Here I am. Take it all. And when we think about offering our bodies, uh, you have to remember that that wasn't just an isolated, like, there's this physical part of me. Because my body actually encompasses my heart and my soul and my mind. So when I offer my body to God, I'm offering my heart and my soul and my mind. It's a package deal. God, you can't have this part and not this part. No, no, I'm here. You get it all. You take it all. It's through our body that we serve our God. It's through our body that we fulfill our God-given purpose. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to bring glory to Him. That's why He created us, to bring glory to Him. That's why He saved us, to bring glory to Him. How do we bring glory to Him? Through the way that we live, through the way that we love each other, through the unity that we have in this body, the world should be able to look in and go, man, there's something different there. I want that. I want in on that. And then that gives us a chance to extend his glory to others, doesn't it? As we go and share the good news with people who don't know Jesus. Our purpose is to bring glory to God. And to point people to him. 
So how are we going to fulfill that purpose? Well, it starts with renewing our mind. A renewed mind leads to a refreshed purpose. If you've gotten off track on your purpose, yeah, I haven't been bringing glory to God. That hasn't been my focus. I haven't been living in unity and love and grace with others. I haven't been seeking to share him with others. I've gotten distracted from those things. Then I want to challenge you that you got to come back to up here. Somewhere between the bedroom and the saw, you forgot. So we got to come back and remember and renew our mind so we can have a refreshed purpose. The first step to renewing our mind is to offering our bodies. Because the mind is part of the body. God, I'm yours. I'm giving myself back to you. And, you know, he uses this term living sacrifice. The problem with the living sacrifice is we keep crawling off the altar, right? I got to get back up there. Okay, God, I'm offering myself to you. Let's move into that idea, that living sacrifice. The Old Testament, what do they do with a sacrifice? They burned it. They slit the throat of the lamb, they drained out the blood, they put it on the altar, and they burned it up. Now Paul is saying, be a living sacrifice. Be a living dead thing. What? I mean, that's an oxymoron to the people he's writing to. doesn't make any sense. So he wants to, let's unpack that a little bit. In view of God's mercies, Paul said, offer yourself as a sacrifice. Problem is, we get that out of order sometimes. We offer ourselves as a sacrifice or we make a sacrifice because we want to earn God's mercy. But we can never earn God's mercy, it's freely given, no strings attached. So because he gives us his mercy, our response is to sacrifice. Again, we got to renew our mind. we got to change our thought process, change the way that we think. I don't know if you realize this, but there's actually only two living sacrifices in Scripture, besides here in Romans. The first was Isaac. Isaac was laid on the altar, and you got to remember, Isaac was probably could have overpowered dad. I mean, he was a strapping young guy, and dad was over 100. Um, But he let dad do that. And then God provided the ram in the thicket. But Isaac crawled up onto the altar. He willingly put himself in that position and said, God, whatever you want, God, whatever's going to bring you glory, I'm willing to do that. And then God provided the ram. Which was a picture, a foreshadowing of the other living sacrifice. His name's Jesus. Jesus, who had perfect life in a perfect place, in a place called heaven, where everybody worshipped him, Willingly left that, willingly gave that up, willingly sacrificed that to come to earth 
to live among us, sinful people. To be lied about, spat upon, abused. Eventually, allowing himself, much like Isaac crawled up onto the altar, Jesus willingly allowed himself to be hung on the cross because he's God. He could have stopped that at any point in time. Nope, not going to happen. Fire. He could have done that. But he willingly put himself on that cross because he knew that was the only way for you to understand his mercies, for you to have your sins forgiven, for you to have a hope and a joy this world doesn't even understand or comprehend. He hung on that cross, and he died. And you're like, well, then how's he living sacrifice? Because the power of God brought him back to life. So he sacrificed himself, but he is alive today, living at God's right hand, victorious over everything. As a constant reminder that your sins can be forgiven, that you can have hope, that his mercies are new every morning because he is alive and not dead. And you can experience that for yourself today. If you have never, never experienced those mercies being new every morning, today could be the day. That you surrender your life and say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I'm surrendering my body, my heart, my soul, my mind to you because the way I've been doing it's not working. And I want your forgiveness and I want your hope in my life. And because of what Jesus did, Because of his mercy, as a Christ follower, I'm going to sacrifice my will, my wants, my desires. That's what I'm laying on the altar so that I can live to his will, his wants, and his desires in my life. Because transparently, I'm kind of a selfish dude. I I want things my way. I want the world to think like I think. I want people to respond the way I want them to respond. When I rule the world, we joke about in my house. Things will be different. Praise God I don't rule the world. But I lay that stuff down on the altar and say, God, I'm going to kill this. This selfishness. This self-centeredness. This thought life. These choices, I'm going to kill that because I know, I know, Jesus, that you want me to live for you. You want me to live for your glory. You want me to live together in unity with my brother and sister. I know that you want me to live to share your glory with a world that so desperately needs it. So I'm killing my desires to live for your desires because a renewed mind leads to a refreshed purpose. When I'm living by my desires... It's not a good purpose. It's not a purpose for what I've been created. So I kill that to live for that refreshed purpose. Because this is, my, is true and proper worship, Paul says. When I live as a living sacrifice, I kill my desires and my wants on the altar to live for his desires. That is worship. 
So we have this idea that worship is all about, you know, Pastor Doug and the, the worship team leading us and singing, and we love the songs, and the man, he, he did a great job building, and the choice of songs focusing on God's glory and God's victory in the midst of heartaches. They, we see that pattern through this worship set today. But it's not just about singing songs. It's not just about being in this building. If the only time you worship is here on a Sunday morning, you're missing the boat. Worship is how we live our life each and every day. As I lay my life on the altar and I live for His desire and His purpose, it's an act of worship because worship is about bringing glory to the God of the universe. And when I live for Him and I live in His purpose for me, I'm bringing glory to Him and that is true and pure worship. Worship doesn't end when you walk out the door. Worship starts when you walk out the door because a renewed mind leads to a refreshed purpose. So how do I get there? That's all great, Brian. I love what you're saying. But how do I lay my desires on the altar, man? Because they fight hard. He goes in and continues in verse 2, and he starts with a warning. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. The word conformed means to be pressed into the mold of. That's what the world wants to do. It wants to press us into its mold. Wants to make us look like it. Matter of fact, got myself a cool glass here. It's actually got the globe on it. I really like maps. I'm all into globes and maps. And I got some salt. Sorry, CR, it has your name on it, but I needed it for this morning. Um, So, Scripture says that we're the salt of the earth as Christ followers. You and I are the salt of the earth because salt brings flavor and salt is a preservative. So, as Christ followers, we're to bring flavor to this earth and we're to bring preservation to this earth as we share the good news of Jesus and other people come to know him. But the other interesting thing about salt is salt takes on the shape of whatever container you put it in. And here's the world. And it wants us to conform to its shape. It wants to press us into this mold where we look just like it. Because it's safe that way. But Jesus says we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to get out and go, be flavorful. How can we be flavorful and preservative if we're stuck in this mold of the world? We can't. We're going to lose our effectiveness. We're going to lose our saltiness. So we need to renew our mind so we can refresh our purpose. How do I go about not being pressed into the mold of the world, not being conformed? Paul tells us that then if we're not going to be conformed, we need to be transformed. The world wants to control your mind, but God wants to transform it. You notice that? Everywhere out in the world, they're trying to tell you what to think. And Jesus wants to tell you how to think. He wants to transform your mind, not conform it. The word for transform that Paul uses is in, our, in our English language is the word metamorphosis. That's what it's become. 
I say metamorphosis, everybody goes back to high school science class or biology class uh, where we had you know, a little caterpillar and it makes a cocoon and it metamorphosizes and becomes a butterfly. There's a transformation. See, the world is exerting pressure from the outside trying to conform you, but the Holy Spirit is working from the inside seeking to transform you. What happens in the cocoon? It happens from the inside out. And something beautiful emerges. As the Holy Spirit changes our mind, it releases that power from within. If the world controls your thinking, you are a conformer. If God controls your thinking, you are a transformer. We're told to renew, to the, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the challenge is many of us live our lives based on feelings. Now, feelings are good, but we base our life on whether something's going to make us happy or uh, whether we feel like it. I just don't feel like doing that. That doesn't make me happy. And when we do that, we're being conformed because we're basing our life trying on our feelings rather than on a renewal of our mind we can't let our feelings drive us if we let our thinking drive us our feelings are going to catch up we did that series forgiving what you can't forget and we talked about forgiving but sometimes when we make the conscious choice to forgive it takes a while for the feelings to catch up and that is okay because I need to continue to make that conscious choice today to forgive and I got to forgive again and I got to forgive again and eventually my feelings are going to catch up but if I decide make my decision about forgiveness which is a god-given command based on my feelings it ain't never going to happen I'm doing it because I know I'm supposed to do it because that's what god told me to Sometimes we're only concerned about the doing Some people are based on the feelings some people are on the doing just give me my five things Brian can you give me my three quick, easy steps, the things I need to do for my life to be transformed? It doesn't work that way. We're away from the law, remember? It's based on his mercy and his grace. So rather than basing it on my feelings or basing it on my list of things to do, Paul says to be transformed comes back to our mind. Because a renewed mind leads to a refreshed purpose. As my mind keeps on being made new by the spiritual input of God's word and prayer and fellowship, my lifestyle keeps on being transformed. See, that's the thing. It's not just about I gotta sit down and read my Bible for a half hour every morning. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not a bad thing. But at lunchtime, I need my mind renewed. I gotta sit down and read my Bible for another half hour? Well, you could. What are things that I can do? I can pray. I can hang out with other believers. I started having lunch with another friend of mine who's a believer, and so we can encourage each other. So we can renew our minds. I've talked to you before about Mel's prayer closet in our bathroom, and it's verses and prayers and scripture everywhere, so we can be have our minds renewed. How do you renew your mind? You got to put a screen on it. We lived in New Zealand for three years. 
Uh, I'm not sure I saw a house in New Zealand that actually had screens on it. I don't understand this concept. I mean, it's a lovely country, and we like to open the windows a lot, but they still have bugs there and flies, but nobody had screens. And so all the bugs kept coming into the house. And you got fly poop on the ceiling. I'm like, really? I hate that. I hate that. So we'd want to put a screen on our windows to keep the bugs out. I got to put a screen on my mind to keep the bugs out, keep the junk out. An open window is good, but so is an open mind. But you put a screen on a window to keep the bugs out. What's this good screen? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 is an excellent screen. Like we got it right up here. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about what you consume on a daily basis on Netflix, on your phone, on your talk radio, on your Fox News, on your fill-in-the-blank. How much of it is true? Well, if it's on Facebook, it must be. What is noble? How much of it is right? How much of it is pure? How much of it is lovely? How much of it is admirable? How much of it is excellent and praiseworthy? If I spend the majority of my time consuming things that don't fit this category, is my life going to be transformed or am I going to be conformed? I'm going to be conformed. But if I want to break this mold, then I need to come back and fill my mind with these things. Because a renewed mind leads to a refreshed purpose. As I was thinking through this message and getting ready for it, my my mind went back to a conversation I had uh, with a friend of mine who's also one of our elders. And uh, I'm actually going to invite Byron to come on up. Uh, Byron's on our elder team here, and we've been in life group together, and we've served in ministry together. And um, a few years ago, Byron and I were having a conversation around this very topic about what are we putting into our minds, and how does it affect our minds and fa- affect our focus. And I thought, well, I could share Byron's story, or better yet, I could just have Byron come on up, and he can share his story. So uh, please welcome Byron up here with me. <clears throat> Uh, so, Byron, I appreciate you letting me put you on the spot. I sent him yeah, some thanks. questions. I'm not going to ask any of those. I'm going to ask completely different ones. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so, so, Byron, a few years ago, um, you were working on, there were some patterns that had affected your thought processes and perspectives in life. Can you tell me some of those patterns, lifestyle patterns that were in place? Yeah, sure. So, there's a lot of things out there that can, there's little traps out there, right? So, you know, I, I think I'm doing everything right, and I'm reflecting on the Bible and all this stuff. We have small groups. And, but one of the traps I had is I have XM on my car, and I have a long commute to work. And what, I, what was happening slowly, because, you know, you, you put the music on, you're like, oh, this, is, this is great, but then you start hearing the same song again and again and again. So I'll flip the channels. And I got into one of those talk radio shows, and I was actually like, yeah, 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 you know, really kind of listening to it. And it didn't happen, like, immediately or in a week or a month. <laughs> but at the time, this was several years ago, and there was some hot topics going on at the time. And uh, it just kind of starts getting in here. Mm. And uh, like you said, there's, there wasn't really a, 
I guess, a filter up. I wasn't like really thinking about what I was listening to that would even affect my mood. But it started off like, okay, so a little bit with the radio. And then I'd go home after a 12-hour work day or whatever the case may be. Um, we'd have dinner and we'd you know, pray and talk. But as you know, things are, everyone's kind of settling into homework or cleaning up the kitchen, I, I, I found myself migrating to my, my living room. And I'd turn the TV on, I'd put these headphones on and cancel out all the noise, because my, my wife didn't want to hear the news. And, you know, so I'm listening to it, and it's just like, I'm, I'm doing that for an hour. And, and um, you know, after a while, I, I just start feeling, like, down, because I'm kind of a fixer. That's what I do at work. I, you know, I fix machines and stuff like that. So when I see the world's kind of a mess, I, I kind of want to fix it. And, but there's so many things you can't even... Where do you start with some of these things, right? So, anyway, it becomes overwhelming and it becomes this cloud mm. and then um and so your whole attitude and perspective yeah just kind of like, downhill a little bit and, it was slow right i mean yeah. it's like a it's a situation i guess you don't really see it initially right and uh you know your friends your close friends will see it sure. you know, we, we talked and and um we shared the situation i just felt like just gloomy and mm. i can't you know and, and so the, Hard yeah. to share the joy of the Lord when you're feeling gloomy about stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. so what did you start to do that began to change that? Well, I had to get a little bit more intentional. Oh, I, I don't remember if it was just a suggestion from which friend, um, but I had to start getting a little bit, um, turn, turn off some of those inputs. And, you know, not necessarily they were bad, but it's just kind of like, didn't, don't surround myself with it so much. Hmm. You know, it's just, it, it was too much. So I put some, uh, did the, I think, K-Love 30-Day Challenge and, <laughs> uh, and different things, you know, I mean, and, and it, it, it was slow, you know. And you told of, me that you got a Bible, uh, like a through-the-year Bible right about that time, too? Oh, yeah, so my mother-in-law, she handed me, it was just God, I think, working through a lot of different people, realizing, uh, you know, I have a situation, and so my mother-in-law gave me uh, one of those um, Bibles you can read for the whole year, and it has mm-hmm. a bunch of his, historical information in it. So I was reading that, and I think at the time, about that time I got into uh, some re- relational elder classes, cool. and so there's a lot, lot more going on every week, and um, just started getting more plugged in. And then how did you notice that begin to affect your outlook and your relationships? Did you start well, taking some of those steps? It wasn't like I buried my head in the sand about the world, what was going on in the world, but it kind of helped me give me, I started getting more perspective, Good. I guess. Like it's, it was recognizing there's this conformity going on mm. and how to be how to be more relational in a world that's doing that cool. and uh, coming up with um, so you know talking with friends and figuring out how to and, and sharing stories of, of how awesome. you can engage and what them. encouragement would you give to these guys this morning about what renewing your mind well mm. I think it's like you said with the, the, the analogy the, the screen mm. and and I think you're letting in the fresh air you know, the world is all around us. We're seeing, we're going to the grocery store, you're interacting with coworkers. And you want to be true to yourself and true to them. You, know, you want to be an honest person, but you have to also be, you know, genuine and, mm-hmm. and, and, and share your faith. Uh, however, you want to sprinkle a little bit of salt here and there, but, or you just want to just dump it, <laughs> dump whatever it the on. case may be. <laughs> um, but, you know, you got to re- reflect. And like you said, mm-hmm. you know, it's important to pray on it. And yep. um, it's a whole bunch of stuff, but it... Cool. It wasn't just like you're saying, like, it wasn't just like, tell me three things, you know, I can fix it immediately. It's not really like that. 
So one of the things that you said, and I'm going to build on. Thanks, uh, Byron. Uh, he said, yeah, yeah. And I love that our elders are real people who they're on their journey and God's using Byron to affect people's lives. I love how he's infecting. He's uh, getting out of the cup and, and sprinkling in his neighborhood. He told me stories of the difference he can make. Uh, but he said intentional. You got to be intentional. Otherwise, it'll just happen and you won't see it happening right off the bat. How are you going to be intentional about renewing your mind? Because a renewed mind leads to a refreshed purpose. And Paul finishes uh, these two verses with this thought. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's will is his purpose for you. And when you do that, you're going to see it's good, pleasing, and perfect will. As I renew my mind... My life becomes transformed, and I start living for his purpose in my life. And I'm going to show how good and amazing his will is. And as I'm doing that, other people are again, or they're going to go, I want that. And we're going to be able to affect people for God's kingdom and for his glory as we delight in his will. God's will is that we bring in glory that we live in unity, and we reflect his glory. So who are you reaching out to? Who are you taking a step of faith to impact? Maybe it's those go teams that we're talking about, and you're like, I don't know. And you need to take a step of faith and do it. Maybe it's the friend or the neighbor or the coworker that you need to engage with and start building that relationship and rather than the world exerting its force on you as salt, we're getting out of the cup and we're exerting our force of the gospel on the world. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because a renewed mind leads to a refreshed purpose. Three questions for you as we close. The first step to a transformed life is surrendering your life to Jesus. You want true life transformation? It starts by surrendering your life, giving your body, your heart, your soul, your mind to Jesus. So if you've never done that before, you've never invited Jesus into your life, we would love to do that with you this morning. Afterwards, there's going to be some people praying down here. I'd love to pray with you and show you how you can have your life transformed through Jesus. Second, what practical steps can you take this week to begin renewing your mind? Maybe it's a little less Fox News and talk radio and a little more K-Love. Maybe it's writing that verse down on an index card and it's on my desk or it's on my, above my sink or it's on my mirror, it's on my dashboard. So I can continue to remind myself and allow God's word to penetrate my heart and my mind. What steps can you take to renew your mind? And then as you renew your mind, what refreshed purpose does God want you to engage with? How does he want you to bring glory to him? How does he want you to live in unity with others? How does he want you to reflect his glory to the nations? This next song we're going to sing here right when we're done is uh, it's called I Choose to Worship, and I love the lyrics. And like I said, Douglas, great job. I mean, the, the music is about the difficulty and the challenge and God's goodness in it. The difficulty and the challenge of living in this world and God's goodness in it. And the, the bridge is when I, the enemy says I'm done, I'm going to lift my praises. That's renewing my mind. The enemy's trying to beat me down. The enemy's trying to conform me. But I'm going to renew my mind. 
when the world comes crashing down, renew my mind and lift his praises. Till the darkness turns to dawn, I lift my praise. I choose to worship. I choose you now. As we lead into this, I just want to read this passage one more time. I love the way that J.B. Phillips translated it. It says, With eyes open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him, and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, that it meets all his demand, and it moves towards the goal of true maturity. Will you stand and worship with us?